Akwaba, welcome to Titular Talks. This is a platform where I, Titular, have conversations with people from different walks of life who share their thoughts and pass their story thus far. I hope you enjoy. So welcome back to Titular Talks. This is episode 10.5 with Paul Hollingworth, aka PSV, aka Pastor Paul. Pastor Paul, come on. So, Pastor Paul, what's it really like leading a church? Well, I guess leading a church is stereotypically seen as um, a church leader, pastor that would go to church on Sunday, say a few prayers, lead a service, uh, preach or talk to the congregation for a short period of time, try and put on a few nice family activities during the week. Right. Um, I guess that's what it, that's the view of it that we, we're given through media, I guess. Pastoral work is all about people. Which means, in theory, um, which is not, I'm not looking for sympathy votes, which in theory, though, means it's 24-7, the job. So it's, it's anything from uh, from just listening, being with people, supporting people. And obviously, in this world that we're in right now, mental health is a, a huge uh, topic of conversation. Right. But it undoubtedly does appear there's a lot of people that do struggle. So listening is like a big part of pastoral work, which doesn't seem very glamorous. <laughs> um, supporting people, being alongside people. And obviously there is there is the, the whole thing of church on Sundays, midweek church services that we run. Uh, we're running online services now, so there's a lot of filming going on as right. well. So there's a whole host of things, but ultimately I think if you want to be involved in church work, or if you understand that somebody is a vicar or a leader or a pastor, then ultimately it's about people, um, so which, your... which makes the job all day, all day, every day. Somebody rings you at nine in the morning, eight in the morning. Somebody could ring you at seven at night time. Um, it's so you don't really do the job when you go home. It's not. A, it it's not. A, it's not a nine while five job. No, uh, you live and breathe it, which at times can be difficult very challenging because there's a lot of pressure that comes with the job as well because you're obviously both myself and Sarah our mandate with church was to reach people that would never normally come to church okay so we're talking that we have to be creative um people think it's about me and Sarah but it's about a team so we work hard at building team building bigger people big people around us that can do all sorts, a whole host of jobs. To make church run on a Sunday morning for us as a church takes a lot of volunteers, um, not paid staff, a lot of volunteers giving numerous hours every Sunday just to make it work. But Why it's because do you think people it, volunteer? People have vol- volunteer because people respond to vision. So the Bible does say where there's no vision, people ju- people will disperse and wander. Um, but where there is vision, people will thrive. And I genuinely think one of the things that we are doing as Lifehouse Church is creating vision that people want to respond to um, and give that give their best to. People love being part of a, a great team, you know. Sure, yeah. If I if I showed you um, a couple of football teams today, one of them was in the Premier League. One of them plays football on a park on Saturday. Both of them are great experiences, and you'll love both of them. 
But I'm sure if I gave you the opportunity to play Premier League football, you would jump at it, one, potentially for the money, but secondly, the amount of opportunities uh, that that will will create. Obviously, as well, the, the Saturday football team can create a great vision that one day we will play in the Football League. And I think you'll find on football pitches all around Chesterfield on the weekends, uh, you'll find young players who are living with a vision that their manager is giving them that they could play at a higher standard. And it's the same for church. The only difference for church is we believe that God has given us this mandate to build church and to see people find out what it really is to have faith in Jesus. And that's what we're committed to. Right. So it's you're either, in my opinion, you're either all or nothing. You got to be all in. Um, it is like it is like running a business as well. So, obviously, it's a reg- we're a registered charity. Okay. Um, with, with it being a registered charity, we employ people. Um, we have lots of volunteers. We do lots of work with the community, um, supporting other organisations, etc. So you're talking about raising a lot of money and delegating, being a good steward of the money as well. So a business understanding is something that nobody ever taught me when I was younger. That so if you had were to learn to, that through doing this, yeah. And how has that been? Uh, it's a, it's a huge steep learning curve. So when you talked about schooling, when you're at school, you think this is not relevant for my life. Uh, some certain topics and it's interesting actually how certain things do keep cropping up from your schooling days as you go forward um, which makes me think you know maths I probably I, w- I probably could have done with spending a little bit more time uh, in, in class, class instead of being on the football knuckling us. down yeah but you know learning learning how to delegate steward money learning how to handle people learning how to lead people, learning how to be sensitive to issues, being creative, coming up with new ideas, raising funds. Um, there's a whole host of things that involve with it. And ultimately, this this would be my personal opinion, which some people won't agree with, but there is this saying that it's, it's okay to be not okay. But most times I turn up to church, I have to be okay. If that makes sense, yeah, because you're the face of the church, yeah, and that's that's where then, I mean, to push to push that uh, conversation further out, that's the, then where I think it's really important for people listening. It's important that you really give everything in life, but it's important that you build around you a network of people. I'm talking, you know, five six people, right? That. We'll support you. We'll we'll listen to you, talk to you, check in on you. And for me and Sarah, one of the greatest decisions we have made is to ensure that we have communicated, engaged ourselves with people that are further on the journey than us, lead bigger churches, um, probably more experienced. But we we made ourselves very vulnerable, humbled with them to basically say, "Hey, how are we doing? What do we need to do?" Can you help us? Can you listen to us? We're having a tough day at present. Um, we don't know what to do about this particular situation. What would you do? And I think the crucial thing for success in any establishment is the people that you build around you. So part of our job, really, our role, 
is to build big people around us. Right. Which ultimately means we'll do ourselves out of a job, and that's the goal in the next 10 years. You think so? Yeah. So um, what does a typical day for you look like? A typical day? Well, it, var- it obviously varies, but it revolves around we've got two kids. I've got a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old. They're not really kids now, but they are <laughs> still. Um, so, you know, still school, college, uh, you know, making sure people get to various venues on time. That's hopefully going to change a little bit in the next couple of years. So we always start like that. I start. I try to start in the morning, refresh myself. I like to, I love to drink good coffee. So I'd always have a coffee in the morning. I try to quiet myself and put something good into myself before I start work, before I start my day. So, and that would involve for me reading, I'd, I'd read a part of the Bible. Okay. I'd read some good truth that I'd put into myself, drink good coffee. Uh, why, you, why do you think you read the Bible every day in the mornings? Because it, at the end of the day, life, I think, boils down to diet. Okay. So, and you can you can look at any aspect of your life, any part of your life, what you put into your life um, is your responsibility, what you feed into your body, what you drink, what you eat, uh, what you watch, what you listen to. And I'm not going to start and tell you what I think is good or bad for you to eat digesting that way but for me personally the start of my day I think it's important to invest good food into my body which I think is truth from the Bible which I I believe the Bible is relevant I believe it's truth and I would I would I would dare to say that anybody that would give themselves 10 minutes in the Bible every day at the start of the day would experience a better day you really think so i don't mean a good day i don't mean success all the time and hopping around and hey it's amazing today i Mm. mean i would experience a good day in the sense that the challenges you face that you're equipped to face the challenges so what does the bible then mean to you if you feel like it's that important in your life well the the bible is my go-to so it so a lot of people, as a pastor, people say, what's your opinion about this topic? And I'm sure uh, if you were to be really truthful, there'd probably be a lot of topics that you'd love me to talk to you about, I guess, on this this chat, like life topics that people are chatting about now in the world. And a lot of people would come to, to me as Sarah and say, what do you think about this? What's your opinion on whether it be a celebrity or a, a, a big issue, like what's your opinion on? My personal go-to answer at that moment is, let's look at what does the Bible say? And that's really difficult for all of us in life, but the Bible speaks truth on every level to every person in life. And I think I think that's, yeah, that's that's my wisdom on it. That's why I do. Because right. it's, okay. it's the go-to. Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely hear you on that. So, because you've been leading the church for, like you said, eight years now. Eight years. Come on. <laughs> What's uh, Before we get to the highs, what do you think have been the few of the lowest points for you personally in the church? Uh, lowest points, building relationships with people. And then, <clears throat> for whatever reasons, for all manner of reasons, uh, that then people leave in your life. Um, sometimes people leave your life not well. 
in the sense of like it's quite difficult people can say things that are quite cutting um and i guess everybody in the heat of the moment says things yeah, they sure. don't mean emotions so we have to we have to understand that but that's difficult when you build relationships with people and um, how do you deal with that how do i deal with that if i tell the honest answer how i deal with it um i take it very personally but i know the leadership answer is don't take it personally but i do take it personally because i do care about my job i do care about other people so it does impact you and my i've got somebody in my world that i would call my pastor and i'm sure you know what i'm talking about right um but he's always said to me well they as a couple of always said said to us um the day that you don't care about another person when they leave your world is the day you should stop being a pastor because obviously people don't matter anymore so we we always we always take it personally but we chat about it we talk about what's happened uh, we trust god for the future what's happening i like to run so i go out running i go and quiet myself i go to the gym go out keep fit sure do that kind of stuff and i think everybody should find something in life where you can just distance yourself for a while the problem with busy life is we get so caught up in everything that's happening we have no time for ourselves right and hence we go to ruin hence breakdown for instance so and my goal was when i hit in my mid-30s i always said so you'd be like wow you've got a long way to go but i'll put it out there <laughs> i always said that i'm never going to have like a breakdown and the only way i can't ever guarantee that i won't have a breakdown in life but i can ensure that i'm doing the right things to ensure i don't have a breakdown yeah. such as sense. running and distancing yourself from people and people time. being open with I'm, I'm open with a few people yeah and i think that's another good point for people is too many people are spilling everything on social media and i think rather than do that just go to two or three people in your world why do you think um being vulnerable with certain amount of people is good for you uh, or how well how you found it helpful how do i f well i think i think the problem is isolation is a killer so so if you live on your own all the time you will without a shadow of a doubt become very lonely and very depressed if you never speak to anybody because 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 i think we were born we were born to be in relationship we were born to be in companionship to have companions um we have emotions we are we're made up body soul spirit there is there is three parts to us and every part needs looking after so your emotions your soul if you don't share your emotions with anybody you just keep it all inside and eventually that that's where that's where it gets really tough um i'm trying to be careful about the words that i'm using here but so any form of isolation so if you're, you're isolating thoughts you you've had a bad week things are not going well you're struggling maybe you're in debt maybe there's a relationship issue going on if you don't speak to anybody that somewhere is going to express itself um and my sadness in this world is that people are not kinder to other people not from a point of just doing kind things but just to just to offer a listening ear and i think 
I think the importance for me is to have people that will listen to me when I need people to listen to me. Otherwise, I probably would break down. And I think, I think for everybody, everybody, it's important to to. I don't think I don't think we can handle more than five or six friends. You think real so? friends? No, I don't think so. I think you can have a lot of acquaintances. Um, you know, in a big group of people, there's usually smaller groups. If you've got a group of ten friends at at uni and you're hanging out together, usually there's two or three people that you'll navigate through sure, more yeah. so. And I think that's true for life, and I think that's good. It's healthy. I think we we caught up so much now in social media that it's all about how many likers or followers we can get. But the reality is you can have 2,000 followers but only have like four friends. And that's the truth. And that's what the world needs to know more about is the fact it's not about followers and likers. Jesus himself... And if I go too far, it'd bring me back in. But Jesus himself had masses of followers, but he still had a few key friends. And he, and he actually outlines in the Bible that he had his close friend. And I think if it's good enough for Jesus, then it's good, good enough, enough for, for me. You. Yeah. Wow. So um, your high points as a pastor so far? High points are, I love the atmosphere of church when, when it's really... It's hard to describe church the way it is if you've never been to the church. But like there's a full band, the the anthems that we sing worship is is like electric at times. So that atmosphere of being in an atmosphere of faith where worship to God, people are still believing for miracles, breakthrough in the life. We we have times in services where people tell of or we report back of amazing things that have happened in the life the way that god's broken through in the life and being in that environment with 250 people 300 people uh, there's nothing like it i'm telling you i'm telling you <laughs> what's been your favorite church event you've posted or you've had um uh, one of the best days at a church that you remember which sticks out so uh, we've we've worked hard at church last eight years transitioning it so the church was all it's always been a good church but we felt we had to transition it to a church that would be more relevant to this generation or to the younger generation. You know, I'm, I'm getting older now myself, so the younger generation. So a culmination of things, seven years in last year, we, we held like a three-day conference at the church. It was right. ramp-packed. Um, and the vibe at that was just like a culmination of seven years. And again, that is a problem with this world. It does my head in a little bit. Which is? Because... Because it was clusters like people people obviously came to me and Sarah and said, Wow, you guys, you're amazing. What a brilliant conference that's been. We had brilliant speakers, mm. the band, music artists there, loads of young people, older people. There was, there was just everything. Yeah. The f even the food was amazing that we had. Um, and people come to us and say, oh, That was amazing. Oh, brilliant. Like, wish we could do that all again. But the reality is, it took us seven years to get to that point. There's a the reality is there was seventy seven zero volunteers that made the event work, and the reality is that we all sit at home and watch things on social media on TV. I'm not having a rant about social media. No, yes. yeah. I'm just pointing out this is the world we now live in, and we think, oh, it's all right for them. Look at them. 
you know, you post your picture, you're never going to post your worst pictures on social media. <laughs> Usually you post your best ones. The highlights. And people saw what we did and said, wow, it must be amazing to lead a church like that. But as you would say, blooming heck, that has been... I not say that. It has been a difficult, challenging seven years to arrive at this point. So have a goal, have a dream, work hard, build good people around your life that are going to invest into you as much as you invest into them. Have fun on the journey. Trust God. And we'll get to some of those social media pictures eventually, all of us in our lives. <laughs> you want to be a scientist? Work hard. Do, do the studies. Do you know what I mean? Do, whatever it is in life, let's put it on the table, the goal, the dream. But there's... There's not one thing or two things you need to do. There's a whole culmination of things you'll need to do. Sure. And in another 12 <laughs> years from now, I think another 12 years from now, we'll really be able to see what hard work, trusting God, faith, really can accomplish. Because, you know, as a church, we will move buildings. We'll move into a building that will suit this generation and the way we believe God should be honoured. It will be big, it will be expansive, it will cause a stir in the town, but it's going to take some time to do it. Yeah. And the reality was on day one when I took this job on, because I know we're coming to a close here, but what the, Definitely the, to close. the day when, when I took, when we took this job on, the frustration was I thought I could make it happen within the first year. Leadership teaches you that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And life teaches you that as well. But we have only got one life, so we've got to crack on with it as well. Sure. Definitely. That's interesting. Um, you keep on referring to Sarah, your wife, who um, obviously you're married to. So how did that all start? Take us back to the start. Yeah, so I was 16 years, 16, 17, 18, 19. I was 19 years old. I was working in a supermarket called Quick Save. It's like gone bust now, so I don't think it's in operation anymore. So I was in Quicksave. I used to work there, um, filling the shelves, doing the tills, doing the trolleys, earning the money because I was at college, which is, again, you know, you've got to graft. You've got to put the time in, sure. if you, and especially if you want the uh, the money, the clothes, and the cars. So I was doing that, and I, I, was, I was serving here at church as well. I was, like, doing part-time voluntary youth work so I was, I was uber busy girls i i genuinely i mean there was there was like always potential uh, with girls i guess for any for any of us our uh, relationships um but i wasn't that bothered about it really if i'm honest i i genuinely felt that i wanted to meet somebody that i could do life with and i didn't really want to do the whole date this person date that person why do you think that was? Uh, why did I think that was? I think it boils down to the fact that that was just the way I envisaged life to be. It sounds a bit perfect, but I was like, well, why can't I just meet somebody at the right time, build a relationship with them, and live happily ever after? And you were like, wow, this is so twee, <laughs> so Christian. Wow, gosh, look at it. It's so amazing. No, but, but, that's, but that's within that, truth, that's truth. that was that was a story of that's a story of discipline as well. 
So I, I chose not to go on dates. I chose not to leave girls, uh, you know, astray oh, by, sure. like, just saying, oh, just come out and hang out with me because I need some companionship. So that's the way I led my life. Uh, Sarah was working at Quicksave as well. She was in the cool squad, as it was. And whereas you were? I was probably not seen to be because I was I was heavily involved in church. But I, that didn't bother me because that was the passion of my life. So, you know, people take... Take me or leave, take me or leave me, as it were. Um, and then I got a birthday card out of the blue from a twentieth birthday from Sarah. Um, she sent me this funny card. That I'll not tell you what it said on it. <laughs> she wasn't a Christian. I was, so that was all a bit awkward for us, really. Um, but I just, I just got on really well with her. I went and met her a few times. We just, we walked, we talked. I was like, wow, she's so different to me, but. I don't know. I'd, it was hard. It was it was difficult because I just thought there's something in this girl that I really like, and I've never met her, anybody else that is like this. So the light bulb came on. My emotions kicked in. Um, mm. We tried to see each other a little bit, but there was there was just this this difference really that Sarah wasn't on the same page as me, and vice versa. And to cut a long story short, about two years later, um, Sarah had made her own decision to become a Christian, which is a long story. You need to interview Sarah really to talk about her story. Right. Um, and a year after that, I think somewhere around that, we got engaged. So within those two years that obviously she became a Christian, were you still seeing each other at that point or not? Trying to, but Hopefully, it just weren't working. Because? Because you meet somebody and you go out and hang out with them and it's like a, it's like a bubble, it's like a different world. But then I have to come back to my to my real world and just see that these two things don't line up because um, I'm guessing your um, your what can we call it your your values weren't lining up with hers and obviously even though you enjoyed the time you had with her it will, you still went back to your values and realised that these things aren't in line yeah. at the time it's a good way to sum it up yeah good right. answer <laughs> so that happened, and then you said you got engaged at the age of... So I was 20, it must have been 22. I was right. 22, got engaged. Um, I looked in the Derbyshire Times, and there was this this road trip, a bus trip, where you could go on a bus, it would take you overnight, uh, and bring you back the following evening. So it was just no hotel, just this is the way it was. Uh, and it was to Paris. So oh. I saw it in the Derbyshire Times. I, I rang up on the old uh, dialing... Wow. Proper, proper proper dialing phone. Um rang up, booked booked us this surprise trip to Paris. I got a mum to measure her finger and kind of get her to choose some sort of ring that she liked. If she ever because she always said to me she wanted to get engaged and I was like, No chance. Why? <laughs> I was just I knew I wanted to, but it had to be the right time. So so anyway, I managed to get the ring on the sly. Uh, I managed to surprise her for her birthday. Uh, we went on the coach, went all the way to Paris. So naive, so naive because um, we didn't catch a metro or anything when we were in Paris. We just walked everywhere. It was exhausting for a day. And all I knew is I just needed to get to the Eiffel Tower. So we walked all the way to the Eiffel Tower. We got there. Sarah was like, oh, this is nice. And I just decided to get down on one knee. Opened my bag up. She says, what are you doing? And I think she started <laughs> to cry a little bit. 
and then so I obviously proposed to her. That was the story there. See, it's all twinned. It's all beautiful. Wow. Um, was there any fear? And then uh, two hours after that, we didn't hardly speak to each other. All we were in a little bit of shock because we said, in a year from now, we want to get married. So that was the way it was. Was there any fear when you were proposing? Any fear? Yeah, because you like, I'd obviously checked with my parents, checked with her parents, which I think's I think it's an honourable thing to do, even in this generation. Um, Why do you think you you needed to do that? Why did you felt inclined to do that? Because. Because, well, now I definitely know it was the right thing because I have a daughter and there's no way any guy, <laughs> no way any guy is going to take my daughter off me without asking permission. To Paris. I think it's honour, just honour. <clears throat> Honour's a big part of our lives. So, uh, so yeah, asked, asked permission, felt this was right, but still it, it's a life commitment. That's what I was signing up for. Hmm. Wow. So, what's it? 18, 20 years on, you've been together. How's the relationship been? How easy has it been? So we've been, oh yeah, so it's been, it's had its ups and downs. Uh, we've been married 22 years. We're like best friends, like Sarah's amazing. Mm. I genuinely could say that. We've lived the dream so far, lived the dream. But we've had, we've had low points where we decided we were going to split up at one point, which everybody would be like, oh. yeah, talk us through that. What happened? Oh, wow. If you dare. So what happened was, um, I was really just full on with work. I'll give you just a brief story. I was full on with work and wanting to impress is a good way to put it. I was wanting to impress. So I was both um, my leaders, I guess, at church and my manager, my other job. So... My life really revolved around just working hard for other people. I'd been married, oh, three years. And Sarah basically just, I guess, just felt like she wasn't a priority. To the point that I actually said to her, you're not the highest priority. Which meant wow. things didn't go well at that point for, for a good season. It was the truth. It was a lesson that I've learned that has changed my life completely. How so? Because you you have to put your family first. And being married, having kids, sounds like good fun or the thing to do, but you have to sacrifice some other things to make that work. And I don't mean you have to give up your career or you have to give up all your money or your aspirations, but you do have to sacrifice because it's... Your sacrifice really is your time and your your thoughts and uh, your consideration, uh, putting other people before yourself. So it's it was a huge learning lesson for us that I could we could talk for hours about it, but ultimately uh, I found out within a, a few years that this is not just a just something you do. This is this mm. is reality. It's it's real. So what tips have you learned from marriage and relationships? they'd like to share with us today so to make to make a, ma- a marriage work or relationship work whatever relationship you're in i think it's important to have fun um we try to ensure that we we st- we still we still like 20 year olds because we uh, i guess how do you best describe fun just just making time just to have fun for me would be doing what's the right word spontaneous things um, we love to hang out together. We love as simple as 
on a day off, just walking into the town centre, just just going have a walk around the shops, going to get a drink, whether you you walk in outdoors somewhere or whatever. It's just spending time together, having fun. Yeah, like like life's too serious at times. Um, not to have fun, um, and I, th- I think it's I think it's really important to keep that as a priority. Definitely making time for each other has to be a priority. We're super busy people. We do lots of things. We're involved in lots of stuff, but sometimes you just got to press pause on everything else and say, "Because we're just going to do this for now." Yeah. Um, so there there would be a couple of key things. I mean, even like I know this pushes on, but we had we had children. So that was after about 16, gosh, so after six years, we had my daughter, um, Lily. And how has that changed your life? So kids, check, kids, I would never, I would never rush. Um, so when, when I hear about people getting married, usually we say, oh, when's the kids coming? When's the kid is coming? Mm. But I would never, never get anybody to rush into that. I think you should enjoy and Sarah tell you this more, but you should just enjoy just being together. Like, just enjoy being together. Build your relationship together. Um, and then and then think about maybe having a family. Some people are not fortunate enough to have children or maybe um, don't want to have children. But for us, we wanted to, wanted to do that, but we ensured we gave ourselves enough time to get to know each other, to, to be together, Um so then, so yes, when we had we had kids, and like now, if you see us as a family unit, we all just enjoy hanging out together. It's very rare, even if it's late at night, that we don't all get together for at least half an hour before we all go to bed. Um, Why is that and, so important for your family? Um, because, well, it's, it's so important for us as a family because we wanted to model to our children what we thought was a great way for them to lead their lives. So your responsibility of having children isn't they're not some sort of accessory that make you feel all gooey when they're born <laughs> and then they're, they're they're part of our world but we wanted our, we understand that our job is to bring them up so that they can live greater lives than what we've lived that's that's our ambition so we we just it's strange and we, we feel strange at times i guess about it because some people say it's a little bit unusual but it you it wouldn't be a rare sight to see all four of us in the town centre. Ten o'clock at night. <laughs> Ten o'clock at night. Like during lockdown, we go out, we go walking late at night, just because we want to hang out together. We want to catch up on what's happening. Um, you'd you'd find us usually before lockdown, like in cafes, just sat together, just chatting about. Mm. Um, or we'd split off, and two would go one way, two would go. We just just being together like enjoying just the simple things in life and um, how is your relationship with your children now my, chil- my children i love my children to bits they they did they changed their lives a lot because obviously there's a lot of pressure comes with having children um but ultimately what they they give back to you i, I just love hanging out with my kids my i mean you know both of them well um they look I would like to say they're like good friends, but they're not like good friends. They're better than good friends. And I would never really want to call my kids my friends. Um, they, I, I personally will find it difficult on the day that they flap the wings and they go and fly and do their own thing. Um, like that, that's probably one of the few things that would get me very emotional. 
can imagine. Like, yeah. So, because um, obviously they're the pastor's kids. So how do you try and, you know, how can I put it? Because you don't want to force them to, you know, sure. be a Christian and say, yeah, do this, do that. Not. But then obviously you want to shepherd them in that direction. So how do you find the balance? So when, when Lily was born, we had a conversation just before she was born. And we said, if we're going to have a child and we're still going to work in a church environment or we feel that that's what God wants us to do to to work as as you best understand it work in church be a pastor which at that time wasn't on the cards um you know this is six this is eight years prior to us taking the church on right but if we are going to do that we want our kids to go to a church that they love to be a part of so in the early years that meant we had to make churches fun as we needed to at times um <clears throat> I didn't always I've not always enjoyed <clears throat> every every service I've ever been to it's not always fun 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 I'm not saying that but we made sure that church was like an important part of the week but it was also like a fun part of the week as well sure so and that that for us may be things like we'd go to church and then straight afterwards we'd do something really fun together so the kids understood that Sundays are not some sort of serious down day it's the day where the pace really picks up. Like the rest of the week's been busy and gosh, we've done all sorts. But on Sundays, wow, we, we go to church, whether it be one or two services that we do at church, we do all that. And then afterwards we go and hang out and, you know, we go and eat pizza, we go and have food together. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it was like Sundays became this epic day. And so our goal was that if if we don't build a church that our kids want to go to, we'll let our kids do their own thing. Because that would be down to the fact that we've not put the the effort, the work, the faith into building mm. a church. So we, our goal has always been we want a church that our kids love to be a part of. Um, and I think that's where, sadly, in the world, you'll see a lot of churches that are not growing and are closing is a result of people not allowing church culture church culture to, to change, which has meant the church, the generations coming up have just sadly walked away from church. Mm. Um, your generation, for instance, you know, people in the 20s, uh, sadly will have not had probably many great examples over the last... Church. Yeah, uh, of, but that, that is changing currently. I think there yeah, is a current change. I was change. talking to a friend um, the other day, actually, and he was talking about how the church that he used to go to, he said the generation before him still went, but um, didn't really enjoy church because they'd like, he said church had a backwards view of what today's culture is, is. So they still went because of their parents. Yeah. Obviously for his generation, they don't really care as much, so they don't really go because they feel the church had backwards views or it was up to date or in the current times. So, so we've never we've never forced it on our kids. Um, obviously, we've forced it to a point because we couldn't leave them at home when they were seven and five. You know, <laughs> right. just leave them at home. So, obviously, yes, we did take them to church. But it's ultimately we we are a, a visual people, and what you see, you you you'd be pleased by what you see, or you'd be turned off by what you see. So, church for our kids has always been something we want them to to see and to experience what church should be like mm. um and that's that's where some of the battles have come in so 
we've not done it for our kids. We've done it for that generation because that would be a, a lot of hard work just to do it just for our two kids. <laughs> but like the, the the music that's in church, the vibe of church, the the way that it's set up, the lighting, it does actually it does actually connect with a generation. Um, and and my generation needs to be prepared to sacrifice some of our wants and desires for the next generation to come and that's how church will keep growing the, the next generation then start to sh- to look after the next generation and vice versa sure. so 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 yeah I, I mean my kids Caleb my boy he he serves all across church in loads of departments he literally knows how to make church tick technically practically Lily's involved in different departments they're both involved in youth running youth mm. um and a lot of it they they are the drivers of making some things happen in church now they say to us we need to be doing this we need to be doing the other right. um which is obviously it's a joy for us to be able yeah, to see that happen that. but they will go on to bigger and better things than what what we're doing Come what on. are your um your dreams for your children dreams for my children um my dreams yeah. for my children 10 15 years time what what do you hope for them where do you want to see them well you obviously want your children to be happy so here's a big parental challenge if any parents watch uh, titular talks there's a big difference between your children being happy and you being happy for your children and i think a lot of parents it's about them being happy with what their children are doing Sure. As opposed to the children being happy. Now, for me, I'm going to take this, and you can pull me up on this. Do we'll do this talk again in ten years? Um, but I, I genuinely want my children to be happy. I want to be happy with what they're doing because obviously you you could come up with some scenario and said, "Wow, you know, what <laughs> if what if Caleb was robbing banks for a living?" Well, I wouldn't be obviously happy, and even if that was making him happy you get the point yeah so I'm, I'm talking about i'm being sensible with my answer but i generally just want my kids to be happy um so what does happiness mean to you content satisfied content there's a word that we should talk about being content um because we're all a lot of us are driven people but there is a point where you just have to be content yeah what you have um I'm going to be sidetracked. I'm sidetracked here, but like being content when you're earning 25,000 a year, when you start out in work and then somebody says to you, what if you weren't 40,000? You'd be like, I'd be so happy if I got to 40,000. Wow. That'd be amazing. 40 grand a year. Well, that'd be amazing. Awesome. If you get to 40, can you be content at 40 or will it then be about being at 60? Natives and hundred. So and and all that's great. That's great. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. I'm not saying that we shouldn't we shouldn't be driven. I'm saying, but there is a point in life where I think if that starts to rob you of your happiness. So if if driving to get more and more and more in life was meaning that my marriage was suffering, my kids were suffering, my health was suffering, there's a point where you've got to be content and back off a little bit. So I'd want my kids to be content, to be happy, to be at peace. Do you think there's a point where you reach that you're content or do you feel like you need to be content now and obviously everything else is just like an added bonus? Yeah, I think living contentment is a 
is a daily decision to be content. Which is which is a it's quite it's it's another big topic, isn't it? But to be content with what you have today, I think is key to being successful. Because you're thankful then for what you do have, you have gratitude for where you are in this moment. Like we should be thank. All right, we're in lockdown, yeah, um, and life's not great, and life's been treating people hard. Everybody's been affected, I think, in some way. But you can still wake up today and just be thankful that I'm breathing. Yeah. Um, I've got good people around me. I've got a roof over my head. So, so that level of contentment, I guess, brings peace to your life. It doesn't stop you from being driven. doesn't stop uh, vision goals still being on the horizon. But just being thankful for what you do have, living with gratitude, yeah. I think it is key. And I definitely want that for my kids more than anything. Um, I want my kids, obviously, to thrive in life. I want them to achieve some of their dreams. Um, do I want... I don't necessarily want my kids to be wealthy. I think it'd be great. I'd be great for them to, to be able to look after themselves and not have me to look after we don't them all want the time. Kids to be wealthy. But it's not like, oh, I want my kids to be wealthy. It wouldn't be like a... A dream for their lives. I think there's far more important things. When we when we first got married, me and Sarah, we moved into a house that was a shell of a house, really. But we were happy. We were over the moon. We got the keys to this home that was like, you know, it's got dirty carpets in it, but like we were content. And are we any happier now than what we were then? Wow. And your your dreams for the church. Dreams for the church, yeah, really, really clear is that for me the the keys to the success of the church is one for it to keep growing, keep reaching people. Um, I do believe that my mandate is to become a significant influence in Chesterfield, Derbyshire, and to have a knock on effect in the nation. Um, I want to see the church move premises from where we are. And I think as that takes place over these next few years, the great, the, out of all that, the greatest dream really is to hand the baton on of the church to the next generation in a healthy state where the next generation literally can thrive, upon it. Can thrive push forward. Um, because I'm telling you, like, I know this is at the back end of it and some people will have been in and out of this interview, but like, the way the the world is in a mess at this current moment in time, which makes the door wide open for the church to rise up, to to reach out to people. Church is a place where people receive help mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I think it's it's the only organisation that can meet people's real needs, um, and the message of Jesus Christ changes people's lives. So that's that's my goal is to get the church into the forefront of people's view that it's literally people mm. can't escape the fact that church is happening. They hear about it, they see it, um, people experience it and think, wow, what was that? That was like something I've never seen or heard before. It impacts people. We build it to a point that we can hand the baton on then to the, I mean, your generation, creativity, like, do you know what I mean? Out of the box thinking that's really going to 
connect with people in a yeah. fresh new way that maybe as people see the world going down the church will meet them on the way going mm. up because because that's that has to happen so and have you got any more personal um goals for the future personal goals for the future um wow personal goals It's a it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's a tricky one because I have a lot of my goals around church, church, because like I said earlier on, I'm all in. It's all or nothing. So a lot of my goals are around church, um, personal goals. Me and Sarah have got a few things we want to do in life. We'd like to travel a bit more as we get older. We've seen loads of things in life already. We've been mm. very fortunate, but we'd like to do quite a bit of traveling. Uh, we love we love that whole side of things. What's number one on the the hit list? Number one on the hit list for me. Well, the number one on the hit list for me has always been to. I'd love to go to somewhere like Mount Kilimanjaro. Right. I would say Mount Everest, but people won't allow me to do that. So I'd love to do something Why? like that. Uh, just because it's probably one very expensive and two very risky. Okay. Um, so I do have to think about responsibility. <laughs> it's probably a bit of a pipe dream, to be honest. Um. I'd like to keep fit and healthy. So when I'm 50, I've got a plan, a goal physically that I want to be at a particular point physically when I'm 50, which is five years time. Are you on track? Yeah, I'm on track. Yeah, I'm on track. Apart from I've got a bit of a groin strain at present. So that's not good. Uh, but yeah, so and and financially, like financial goals, we just want we want to be able to be we want to turn over more money personally for our own lives so that we can be more of a blessing to more people as we get older. Okay. Which again... So again, it's giving, giving. Which sounds very twee again, but that's well, that's, that is, yeah, that's what it's about. We currently... So currently there's me, Sarah. I've got two kids, 16 and 14. We sponsor five children in Africa. So they're part of our, our family as well. One of them has been part of our family for now... 14 years wow. she's at university gone through we pay for her education uh health etc we do that through an organization called compassion where we pay 25 pound a month for to look after a child to make sure they get their the medical assistance etc etc yeah so we things like that we want to we want to have multiple multiple children that we support uh both in this country and, and probably in other countries like Africa as well, so so we've currently got seven kids. Wow, big family! Twenty-two <laughs> years, seven kids. Um, I'd love to own some property. Mm. That that's something on the agenda. Stay involved with the football club. I'm currently, the chaplain of Chessfield Football Club, so I, I enjoy doing that as well. But yeah, life's been good to us so far. Um, I'm a little bit less for hair now, but that's that's, <laughs> that's what life does to you sometimes. So I've got two more questions before we okay. uh, wrap it up. My second to last question is, if there's um, you're having a dinner party, six people, I'm there, you're there, you can invite four people that are alive who's coming and why? Not my family? If No, I mean, you can, it's up to you. I definitely want Sarah to be there. Definitely Sarah, because she'd make sure that I was dressed right as well. <laughs> um, so that'd be the three of us. So, and obviously I'd want my kids to be there, but maybe you want me to leave them out of it? Yeah, so you can have one family member. So Sarah's there. Three other so people. Sarah, me, Sarah, you, and three other people. Dead or alive. 
Um, who would I love to be there? Wow, there's there's so many there's there's lots of people, dead or alive. I've always wanted to meet. So I'll use a Bible answer. I've always wanted to meet Moses from the Bible. Why would you bring him? Because I just think I I just want to know what his emotions were like at some of those crucial points in his life that maybe some people are aware of, but you know the point where is being literally harangued, hounded by the Egyptians to the point that he's had to, he's fleed with a whole host of people, like a million people. And he gets the Red Sea and he feels that God says to him to hold his staff over the water. And like the emotion of that moment, I'm like, boy, how did you do that? How did you lift a stick up over water and hope that it would, you know, something would happen? I think, I mean, that's crazy faith. Um, I'd love to talk to him about that. I'd love to learn off him now. I read that story every now and again just to just to understand the context of that. So I think I'd definitely like him there from a Bible character. Um, I'd love, uh, from a football point of view, I'd love to do, I love football chat. I love football chat. <laughs> so I'd probably love to have, I think... Thierry Henry, okay, because I'm I'm a Chesterfield and Arsenal fan. Mm. I was would say Ian Wright, but Thierry Henry, I'd love to know. I don't know. He's just got a bit of he's, he's suave. He's got that vavavoom from yeah. the Renault Clio. Um, so Thierry Henry, I'd like to chat to him a little bit, get some football stories out of him, sit and have a coffee with him, and chat and talk to him about how he was working with Wenger, about the Invincibles, all that kind of stuff. And then another person probably would be, I'd go with, this sounds a little bit crazy, but I'd probably love just to have a chat to somebody like Bear Grylls. Bear Grylls? Yeah. Because I love, I love, I've always loved watching all that kind of stuff. I love the adventure type thing. Uh, endurance. I love like, I mean, I've run marathons before, so I'd love to just maybe sit and be able to have a bit of a, a laugh with him about some of the stories. I love talking to people, you see. Yeah. I'm not thinking about anybody entertaining me. I'm just thinking about, I'm going to bore the pants off everybody just talking <laughs> to them. I just want people around me that are going to talk and that would be my ideal party, would be a party where you've got food and drink and there's just good people to talk to who've got some interesting things to say. Wow. So that 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 would be an idea. In fact, that is a dream come true party for me. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to make it happen. Yeah. Imagine Moses, Moses having a chat difficult. with Bear Grylls about survival. Wow. Come on, yeah. I mean, that's... And then Thierry Henry points in, jumps into the conversation and says, whoa, 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 hold on a minute, guys. Yeah, but like, listen, we can tell you how to survive because we survived a whole season, season without losing a football game. And like him ch chip in and then me and Sarah talk about, you know. Wow, that's, that's a very interesting... I didn't expect most of his answers, actually. Especially Bear Grylls, that caught me off guard. Yeah, so but yeah, who was you thinking I was going to say? I I expected a Babel um, character, yeah. sure. Thierry Henry, I wasn't too surprised by. Um, Bear Grylls, just didn't see that one coming. I'm not really, I'm not really like into films too much. There's some music people that I guess I'd like to meet, but they're not talkers. Mm. They're, they're creatives and they want to sit and meditate and have a think about some new lines to a song. So I want people that are going to chat to me, sure. have a good talk. And final question. You have um, 30 seconds or a minute talk with 13-year-old Paul Hollingworth. 
What would you tell him? Okay, Paul. So listen, stop bumming around at school with these boys trying to look like you're um like trying to be cool. Knuckle down to your knuckle down to your work, do what's required. And then my my then next point would be that Paul, you just need to you need to write the dream down and go for the dream. Like don't procrastinate, don't put it off. Mm. And I think if I'd have done that a few years earlier, I think I would have been a few years ahead of the game now. But at the same time as well, you've got to trust God, Paul. Yeah. Um, and trust God's timing for things because he'll always put things in the right place at the right time. You've come a long way. Yeah. But definitely the school thing is like, do, don't don't try to be cool in education. Like, make the most of it. What a brilliant system it is that we get education free kind of yeah wow so that's been episode 10.5 and 10 with Paul Hollingworth Paul thank you so much for coming thank you for having me I know I've done a lot of talking but you did ask me to so (laughs) thank you